Hey guys, this is Stephanie, the host of the Empower Your Life podcast. And we have a great podcast this week. And um, we interviewed one of our very own physical therapists, Natalie. Um, one of her specialties is pelvic floor. And she's going to be talking about how leaking with exercise is not normal. And oh my gosh, we literally had a client that was told she, she had a baby and was told, you know, and started having leaking with exercise and was told, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you, you know, just wait until after you finish all your kids, having your kids. And that's, you know, and then we can start addressing that. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? This is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so this is a fantastic podcast. You're going to learn a little bit more about all the different things that we look at when um, you have leaking. And um, a lot of times it's a really easy fix. It's not something that is super complicated and is not about doing Kegels. So definitely don't think that that's what it's all about. Cause it's not about that. Even though your doctors tell you, Oh, just do Kegels or, and do them a lot. And, and you'll understand why they don't work. So make sure you tune into this podcast with Natalie. She's amazing. It's a great one. And uh, if you definitely want to talk with her or have a conversation with her, we do have a free kind of discovery visit that you can um, sit in on with, with her to understand a little bit more about how she might be able to help. So make sure you stay tuned to the end to know how to do that. And uh, let's get to it. This is the Empower Your Life podcast, where you can find some of the best health and life tips to keep you active and living life without having to go through surgeries, procedures, and medications. We want to give you hope that it is possible as the body has an amazing ability to heal if we give it the right environment. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast to hear a very special offer. Without a further ado, let's get started. Hey guys, so today we have Natalie. Welcome, welcome. Hello. <laughs> and we're going to get into some just topics that seem to be common things that happen that we think is just what happens and we can't do anything about it. One of those um, topics that we're going to talk about is um, leaking with exercise and um, all the different symptoms and things that happen or don't have to happen for that to, to, to go on. We feel like it's very common and that's just what happens as we get older, after we have kids or whatever the case may be, whatever we tell ourselves, but it's not true. There's so many things that you can do to stop this. Um, and we're going to talk about it today. So welcome, Natalie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. So tell us a little bit about the symptoms, common things that happen with, um, leaking with exercise. Yeah. So leaking um the medical term for leaking is known as urinary incontinence right and so um that can actually happen in a lot of instances like not even with exercise um even like when you're sneezing or coughing or if you're laughing too hard if you are somebody told you a really good joke and you start laughing you pee a little bit like that can happen sometimes um and so you'll find that it's also common in exercise, um, unfortunately. But yeah, so some of the symptoms um, that kind of let you know, okay, this is probably something that I'm having is whenever, let's say you're lifting a heavy object like dumbbells, you know, maybe you're doing bicep curls or even you're doing squats. Um, typically what you can find is whenever you're really exerting yourself, you can have leakage and part of the problem and i feel like a lot of us can relate to this is that we forget to breathe when we're exercising 
And so we're holding our breath. I see so many people, you know, at the gym and I don't know if you can relate to it. Yes. Um, Especially the big macho guys that are, you know, like lifting over 200 pounds, like while they're doing a bench press or something, I pass by them and their face is just so red. Like their, their (laughs) jugular veins are just popping out. I'm like, Oh my goodness. You know, does somebody have a spotter? Like no joke. Cause he could pass out. Yeah. Like (laughs) I need to intervene. Hold on. Um, (laughs) but yeah. And so we forget to breathe. And so that as you know, I'm sure we're going to dive into in a second is just the cascade effect for all of the symptoms of, of leakage. Yeah. And what are some of the common frustrations that people have? I mean, I can imagine because I know when you go to a doctor or you talk to a friend, they're saying, oh, that's normal. That's just what happens as we get older. Or that's just what happens after you have babies. They really oh, yeah. truly think that that's the case. But um, what are some of the frustrations that um, th- these clients typically hear and feel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, great question. I mean, Again, I think you nailed the biggest one on the head in the sense of these people go to their doctors and tell them, hey, you know, I'm experiencing incontinence with doing X, Y, Z. And their doctor just kind of says, yeah, like, well, you know, you're getting older and, or, you know, if it's a woman like, oh, well, you have had like three kids, like that's common, Um, you know, so I can refer you to um, getting, you know, like pads, they essentially just point out like, oh, you can go to the store and and wear pads to kind of prevent um, from peeing on yourself, essentially. And that's kind of just their fix all, you know, like, okay, next patient, essentially. Um, And so whenever you're told over and over again that, oh, this is, you know, this is normal, like, I can expect to experience urinary incontinence as I get older, that's just part of getting older. If you're told that long enough, you're going to start to believe it. Yeah. But the problem and the thing that frustrates me the most is that I know that it's common. We all know that it's common, but common doesn't equal normal. And I feel like the two words have become interchangeable with each other. And I think that we really need to take a step back and reevaluate that because it's not true. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Um, so that's one frustration. But then two, another frustration is, I mean, if I can only imagine the fact that you're just trying to go about your daily life, like whether you are exercising because you're training for something um, or even like you want to blow your nose, you know, because you have a <laughs> stuffy nose, right? Or, or yeah, or you're laughing and you're worried holding on, crossing your legs for dear life (laughs) so that you don't pee on yourself and have to, and have to excuse yourself. You know, I think that there is an embarrassing component that, that comes along with urinary incontinence, um, that people are terrified of, you know, especially in those social settings. Um, and so I think that's another frustration of like, okay, am I just going to have to be wearing uh, like depends or, you know, like those, yeah, just for the rest of my life diapers. Yeah. For the rest of my life, you know? And I think that's another huge frustration of just people don't see a solution. They're not told the solution. They just kind of say, Oh, well, here's a bandaid to fix it, but it's not going to fix it. You know? And I um, know there's um, like another thing that we've had clients do is 
the doctors will hand them a sheet of paper on do Kegel exercises and this will help. So let's talk about that too, because we know that that also is, can make things worse. Stephanie, (laughs) you're going to set me off. (laughs) You're (laughs) going to set me off. When you look and you research anything on the web and you go in and for about anything pelvic floor, Kegel exercise is the exercise you're supposed to do. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Well, yeah. And so, and the thing is, is, um, you know, before I did my pelvic floor rotation, even my mom would tell me, you know, like, oh yeah, like after having kids, like, or even before my doctor would just tell me, oh yeah, do Kegels, like strengthen your pelvic floor before, you know, delivery. And then after delivery, okay, like do Kegels to strengthen your pelvic floor. The problem with that one is that urinary incontinence isn't necessarily caused by weak pelvic floor muscles. So let's just like toss that myth out because it's it's not true. It's just not. Um, it can be, it can be, but also urinary incontinence can be caused by overactive pelvic floor muscles, pelvic floor muscles that can't relax. And so if you're, and, and if a doctor is telling you to do Kegels, do they even know if it's because of a weak pelvic floor muscle or if it's, because of an overactive muscle that can't relax for dear life. I know whenever I've like talked to a doctor, they're maybe talking to me for like five or 10 minutes or something. They don't really take the time to diagnose the problem. It's kind of just like, Oh, do Kegels. Even though that person could actually have an overactive pelvic floor. And so that, instead of helping the symptoms can actually exacerbate it and make it worse. Um, so yes, Kegels are not the end all be all Thank, I mean, thankfully, right. We have so many other tools that people just aren't told about. They're not educated on. Um, but another, another thing too, let's just say hypothetically that, you know, a person experiencing urinary incontinence, um, was experiencing it because of a weak pelvic floor muscle. Let's just say, right? Let's dive into that a little bit because essentially what Kegels are, it's almost like me, like, like, let's say I want to get stronger glute muscles. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to clench my glutes. Like as I'm sitting down in this chair, or even just as I'm standing up, just squeezing my butt cheeks together and just say, okay, like, I did 30. I'm going to have a, you know, a strong, a strong butt, right. Or like everybody wants to have like a toned butt or whatever. Everybody knows that that's not going to work, right. That's not going to get me from point A to point B. And yet we're thinking that Kegels, which are just like a contraction of your pelvic floor muscles and relaxation of them are going to get us the results that we want. Like it, it just isn't true. Um, yeah, it's similar to like how I always describe it, you know, you can have, so even, even with the pelvic floor, you can have weakness and tightness, right? Just like in your hip, you give that example, you can have some weakness and tightness, but guess Mm -hmm. what happens when you work on the exercise to make you stronger, you're going to work on Mm -hmm. the the part that is strong, which is already tight. And you aren't going to work on the part that's weak. And so you've got to look at like the coordination of like what, what it is. And so that's, that's a big, a big problem. Um, But there's, there's, you know, just like with anything else, you've 
you've got to kind of figure out where the source is coming from. And right. like what you said, I mean, doctors only have like 10 minutes with you. They don't have a lot of time with you. They can't right. spend a lot of time with you unless mm-hmm. you get to someone, unless you're paying someone <laughs> to spend a lot of time with you, um, right. then th- they're not going to be able to figure it out. And, and they honestly don't even know what a pelvic floor physical therapist actually can do for you, which is really sad. I think it's starting to change with some people, but we have a long way to go. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm very thankful that pelvic floor therapy is becoming more well-known. Um, and I'm optimistic, but I mean, heck I have friends in medical school and physician assistant school and they cover, you know, pelvic floor and, you know, uh, women's health. And yet they are also told prescribed Kegels. (laughs) And so, and so I even, I even had to tell a friend of mine during my pelvic floor rotation of like, don't you dare. (laughs) If you ever tell someone to do Kegels, I will find you and I will, <laughs> I will scold you. <laughs> um, but no, you're, you're, you're very right. So we know that Kegels aren't the solution. So let's talk about what is. Okay. Yeah, so that was my next question. About what? Yeah. Right. That was my next question. <laughs> I read your mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it is having a lot to do with coordination. And what do I mean by that? So if you think about it, I kind of referred to breathing earlier or rather a lack thereof and how that can contribute to urinary incontinence. And so with that being said, really the first thing that I look at and that a pelvic floor therapist should look at during their evaluation with you is how are you breathing? Are you a belly breather? Are you a mouth breather? Are you a yeah chest breather? Because we have what's called the, our diaphragm muscle, and that is our primary, our primary muscle for breathing. Um, and it attaches, and Stephanie, you know, but it attaches um, on our ribs and also like our, like our mid-back area, right? And so it kind of just sits right above all of your internal organs. And so if it's working correctly, if we inhale, it should move down towards our internal organs. And when we exhale, it should come back up, right? And as it's moving up and down, our rib cage should also fully expand on an inhalation and then fully, um, not expand, but come back. (laughs) Um, And the thing is, is unfortunately, people aren't told how to breathe right. We 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 don't know how. Um, and like I said, some of us even just hold our breath because we, we just don't even notice it, you know? Um, and so the first thing you look at as a, as a pelvic floor PT is, okay, how are you breathing? Are your, are your ribs even moving? Um, can they move? Can they move? You know? Um, and that's something else that you evaluate. But the thing is, is almost kind of think of your diaphragm muscles and your, your muscle and your pelvic floor muscles, almost think of them as like married, right? Like if one goes down, the other one also wants to go down. And so what I mean by that is when we inhale, just like our diaphragm moving down, our pelvic floor muscles will also move down if it's working properly, ideally. <laughs> and then again, on exhalation, it should come back up. But the problem is that 
if we aren't breathing properly, our pelvic floor muscles, they're not going to move up and down like they should. And so we have this whole concept, well, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so if you're not using that full range of motion that your pelvic floor muscles have, it it's going to disappear. And so over time, how that contributes to the problem is, you know, you have your organs that should have your pelvic floor muscles act almost kind of like a trampoline, right? Like as you're moving and going about your day, like your pelvic floor muscles are able to support your internal organs, right? But if they lose that range of motion, instead of what should have been a trampoline, it now becomes almost like a concrete slab. And so your organs are just getting pounded and pounded and pounded onto your pelvic floor. And over time, our pelvic floor muscles, they just give up. They're like, I can't, <laughs> I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> Something's got to go and it's not going to be me. Um, and so then we can have problems with leaking too, right? And so that's kind of the cascade effect. So again, part of that solution, okay, if we're not breathing correctly, let's like talk about what diaphragmatic breathing is, you know? And so educating patients on what that looks like and showing them what that looks like. And again, even having them place their hands on their ribs and kind of add some pressure to give that, that biofeedback to really retrain the mind and the muscles to work in unison, um, to then breathe into that and fully expand into that and then exhale. Um, so that's the first, that's the first solution is, um, working on breathing, but we can dive more into know, the next steps. If you want me to, I could go on forever. <laughs> well, I think that's a good starting place. Cause that's ultimately, especially when it's just leaking, like little small leaking, it's more, more likely that a pressure issue. So mm -hmm. so solving the breathing issue, um, can definitely help with, um, is a good first step. And then after that. Um, if there's other, if it's not solving it completely, then that's when you go into what's tight, what's weak and, and figuring out mm -hmm. those pieces as well. So, exactly. but I think that gives us a really good start and understanding everything and why it happens. Um, and I think um, it'll definitely give people hope that, gosh, I didn't realize there's something that you could do about this because mm -hmm. it's kind of like what you said, your parents didn't know anything about it. And they're telling you that's just normal because of, as you get older and so, because they've heard that from their doctors and, mm -hmm. and it's just this vicious cycle that happens that we've just got to stop. And that's why we do these educational pieces because we want people to understand that there are ways to help your body holistically. Um, right. And you know, that's not always out there. Even when you go and do Dr. Google, it's not out there. It's pretty scary what's out there, honestly, <gasps> because I have. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just getting some good information, education out there for people to understand that, that there is help for those things. Hey y'all, I'm Catherine, Client Relations Manager of Empower Physical Therapy. If you're interested in speaking to one of our specialists on how we can help you, click the link below to set up a time with one of our physical therapists.